I, I just thank God for this, uh, this man and his family. I thank God because, uh, you know, several years ago, um, God directed him and led him uh, to Calvary. Uh, he was a friend uh, of people here at Calvary long before. On our dedication day, while he was still at sta- on staff at uh, North Shore, uh, him and Christy took a Sunday off with the family and came here to honor us at Calvary to be here for the uh, opening first service at this church or the dedication. And I remember looking back over there thinking, Mike Cassell, what are you doing here? You're, you're skipping out on your work, you know? But uh, we're glad you're here. And Mike, I, I, you know, you and I have talked a number of times. It has been my blessing over the last several years to be surprised by opportunities that God has afforded me to mentor younger uh, men who are called into ministry, and that's been an honor and a surprise to me, and very humbling at that. Um, Mike is one of those. Dave Ewer is another one who sent him off a few weeks ago, but our mission statement is fourfold. You know that, right? It's in your bulletin if you forget what it is, but you should know it. And the fourth one is to send empowered, spirit-empowered um, Christians into ministry, to, to release them into ministry. And uh, Mike is one of those. Sometimes they stay here. Most of the time they stay here to minister. And in Mike's case, Dave Ewer's case, we send them out, but we send them out with a blessing because we love them. It's not about what happens in these four walls. It's about what happens in the kingdom. So I just want to preface it with that. And Mike, how many years have you and your family been here at Calvary? Uh, well, we've been here about four, four and a half to, to five years. Um, do you want me to go more with that? Do you have more? Oh, uh, I'll... Uh, Share a couple things. Um, yeah, before we came to Calvary, we were ministering at uh, North Shore Church in Menominee as a youth pastor. Uh, prior to that, out in New Jersey, uh, I got a couple of years as youth pastoring out there too. And one of the things the Lord has always um, moved on me and my wife's heart is to uh, minister to, not only to the local church, but to but to make connections with the greater body in the area. That's something like to see John 17 really lived out. Um, and, and as such, uh, that was actually the, the main reason we were here uh, that Sunday when you guys were launching at the time. And we're like, you know what? That's a huge thing in the kingdom of God for this area. So we wanted to just, just come and, and support and support that. So, uh, yeah, we're, we've been uh, then uh, the Lord called us out of, out of North Shore and to, and to kind of get grounded, um, take a time off from ministry. Uh, me specifically, my wife really kind of dove uh, into ministry. She's been ministering with the uh, the. Um, girls ministry for three years and a couple years as the as the uh, 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 women uh, with the women's ministry we both ministered here at the at the uh, the prayer the prayer ministry which is awesome um, and uh, and for me one of the things the Lord has me uh, me doing I never I, so coming coming to Calvary was kind of like a break for me doing ministry ministry but we never stopped ministering because that's who God called us to be and uh, one of the things that, that the Lord used me in a lot of times here was pulpit filling, uh, helping out on Wednesday nights, teaching, and then uh, small group ministry, which really, uh, we really, uh, really enjoyed small group ministry. So that's a little bit of what we've done here. I'll let you ask your next question. Yeah, he, he's been, they've been faithful. They jumped in and went to work, and that's really what it's about is, uh, you know, I've shared before I went on vacation, that it's about plugging in and serving. It's not about being a spectator. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Um, um, you're employed uh, currently uh, uh, as a civilian employee of the U.S. Navy, uh, working with the uh, shipbuilding and uh, doing some things there, which God has really blessed you and provided for your family through that association. But uh, you've always been in ministry, 
even if you've had a, uh, been bivocational. And that's pretty tough to do, just so you know, because I did that once, and it is tough. It's a very demanding and very stressful. But God gives us grace to get through that. Uh, but um, currently, um, you have been called to serve and offered an opportunity uh, to uh, go on part-time in Oconto at our sister church in Oconto under Nick Badendick, Pastor Nick. He's our friend, and uh, him and his wife Amy are wonderful people. And uh, tell us about your ministry assignment there. Well, it's still kind of brand new, so I don't know uh, the full scope of it, but I just want to uh, back up and say that we've known, uh, the name of the church is my church, so when people ask me what church you go to, I say, now I get to say my church, and they're like, no, I, I know you go to your, anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, we, uh, with our, uh, our work that my wife and I have done with Harmony by the Bay and trying to just know people from different churches and the house churches. We got to know Nick and Amy uh, because we're really close friends with another couple that goes to that church. And uh, we sent our kids there, at youth group on Tuesday nights. Their youth group's on a Tuesday night, so it was cool. I, I like to try and get my kids as much places as possible, so it worked out really well uh, that the youth groups are at different times. Um, but then they had asked us probably, probably about three, three and a half months ago to go out to, out to dinner with them, uh, Nick and Amy, and we went out and, and my wife is much smarter than I am. She's like, you know, they're, 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 they're looking to fill Jesse Yoder's position, and uh, they're going to ask us to, to be the associate pastors. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, um, so we went to dinner with them. It was a really uh, we, uh, great time. And, yeah, they, they had asked us uh, to, uh, to take uh, the associate pastor position over there, um, uh, not on staff, not really about money. It's just about serving God. And... Um, and I said, okay, I really want to pray for, for about it. I really want to pray and hear the Lord in it. And it probably took a good two months before uh, I felt comfortable saying yes, uh, because I definitely have a, I had, a, I had a, a surety in my spirit that this is exactly where God wants me for this season. Um, my wife, after I had talked to her, she wanted me here from the Lord, but she kind of knew ahead of time. She's like, yeah, I, I know that was where God was leading us. I'm like, oh, that's cool. It's good to know. Uh, but... Um, Anyway, uh, at this time, we're kind of transitioning there. We've been there for the, a, a little bit, and, and he just wants nothing now than just to me to meet people over there. Uh, come September, I'll be doing more official ministry. I'll be teaching their kind of foundations of Christianity class uh, on either Tuesday or, or Wednesday night, depending on what we decide. And then I'll also be kind of supporting uh, his time off, uh, do pulpit fill that, and just kind of doing pa support pastoral care. And I'm sure as, as the, as the uh, assignment goes on and, and, and the needs of the church are kind of more revealed, we'll be hitting those things as well. Uh, but it is interesting that you talked about bivocational ministry. Uh, I remember when I came to you the first time uh, here, uh, I just got out of doing eight years of, of bivocational ministry. I'm like, I don't want to do this again. I'm either going to be full-time working or full-time doing the ministry. But um, the Lord has an interesting way of changing those, and uh, I find it very sovereign on God's part that he placed me with a, another gentleman uh, now, Nick Badendeck, who's been, he's been 20 years over at my church as well, and he's been doing bivocational ministry this whole time, so it's going to be uh, interesting to, 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 to work with someone that also has done bivocational ministry for a while. I always say there's no such thing as part-time ministry when you're called to ministry, there's only part-time pay, so... so. <clears throat> 
been there and did that. So, and it was my pleasure to do that, not complaining. And I know you're not either. So, uh, Christy and the and the kids are going to continue to uh, to attend and take part of Wednesday night ministries. Uh, Mike, uh, they don't have children's ministries like we have there, and we were happy that they're doing that. And uh, the uh, Mike especially wants the boys to go all the way through World Rangers. And uh, that is a valuable, powerful program, discipleship program, teaching boys to be men of God. And I love that, and I'm so glad that that is true. But uh, regardless, Mike still lives, uh, and Christy live locally, um, and they are still our friends. Uh, he's not mad and leaving, and we're not kicking him out. And, and uh, well, I'll tell you, he, he's a, been an asset uh, wherever he has been, him and Christy. They have been a blessing everywhere they have been. They have helped out with worship. He's a musician, helped out with worship in many places, many churches that needed help, and uh, we're happy to do that, and it's been a blessing. So I would like Christy, uh, you know, I know um, the boys are here too. I know Maddie. Maddie's in the back, back, but you you all come up here. We want to pray for you before Mike preaches, and uh, just pray a blessing on you. Amen. Because we love this family. And we love... Uh, the potential uh, for expanding the kingdom of God and investing uh, in people's lives that will be uh, a blessing for eternity. Um, and, uh, hey, would you come up here, Nick? Would you come up, too, and lay hands back here? Would you do that? And uh, Nick has been a friend of Mike's for many years, too. And uh, we, we just uh, want to be a blessing. Would you stand and extend your hands this way if you're able to stand and... Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, God, we thank you. Lord God, for the gift of, of people, Lord, who you called and equipped for ministry. We thank you for their dedication, for Mike and Christie's dedication to the cause of Christ and, Lord, to the ministry in the local church. We thank you, Lord God, that you did call them. The call is recognizable. We thank you that Mike's credentials will soon be coming, Lord, and he'll be credentialed as a minister in the assemblies of God. We thank you for all the hard work and all the hoops he had to jump through for that and the willingness he was to do that. But we pray, Lord, a special anointing on him, a blessing for favor and increase uh, in his new ministry assignment in Oconto, that you would bless and prosper the ministry there and bless Mike and Christy to be a part of it, Lord God. And Lord God, just use them in a mighty way, we pray, and take care of them and cover them under your mercy, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Did you give them appreciation? Well, this is, uh, it's always kind of bittersweet, right? Moving from one uh, area to another. I have to say, I just want to preface this. I know we haven't been around as much in the past couple months, and that was uh, due to, you know, I had said earlier that uh, I, uh, one of the calls that we had in our life was to just kind of connect with other other bodies. Once the pandemic hit, I have, I have one of my best friends is a pastor in Crivets, and his entire worship team just like fell apart because of the pandemic. And I was like, hey, I, he'd ask me, and I'm like, yeah, I can help out. So through the pandemic, I, I, you probably haven't seen me as much because I've been over in, in, in Crivets helping out, just doing what I felt God uh, was had used me uh, in the past to do to just help and, and, and buttress some stuff. The interesting thing about um, being called now to Okano is as we were asked, in the process of being asked to be called to Okano, his 
like worship team all started coming back and they and under the sovereignty of God I wasn't I don't want to say the term needed anymore but you could tell that 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 little temporary support was was kind of over um and I just love the fact of of Calvary allowing that Calvary saying yeah go go Pastor Tim saying yeah go ahead uh do that it's interesting I've been gone for a little while and to come back and see that amazing mullet is yeah I'll tell you <laughs> Like, I saw it a couple months back, and, and, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. And now it's, you are fully diving into it. That is awesome, brother. I love it. <laughs> um, but I could say without a shadow of a doubt that, that this church has been a good resting place for me, for me and Christy. Um, coming here, we, uh, talking to Pastor Tim, I kind of always uh, known that uh, this was the next stop on the journey that God had for us and our family. Where that was going, we weren't exactly sure. I did know that 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 I was supposed to come and sit under you, uh, sir, for a little while and also kind of get to the next step and not take the super long time it's taking me to get credentials, but we're, we're there. I just got an email from Dawn. She's going to be sending me the, the study materials for the, for the final exam, so that's coming very soon. So it took a little while, but I got there. For, we're, get, we're getting there. But I can say in, in what I've seen, uh, Calvary Church by far is one of the most generous churches I've, I've seen, just even witnessing uh, this this morning. In 2005, my wife and I took a tour to Israel, Egypt, and Jordan. Go on it. Just, I, I can't, we can't say enough. If you got an opportunity to go to the Israel tour, please do it. it, it it's awesome. So I think it's awesome that the church gave Pastor Tim that. You guys give yourselves a hand and give him for that, please. That was great. <clears throat> So as I sat before the Lord uh, in wondering, okay, what, what do I want to, what do, what, what do you want me to leave Calvary with? By the way, we're not leaving, leaving. Uh, we're, yeah, we're in Ocano right now. We're serving in Ocano, but we're still going to kind of be connected here. We're both, there are sister churches. We will be here for Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. By the way, I want to plug that real quick. Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. I got saved at Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames in 2001. So around the same time that you, uh, uh, you're July, right? I got saved in March of 2001 because of Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. Completely wrecked my life in a good way. Yeah, it's a tough message. It, we talk about hell a lot in there, and, and, and some people can think maybe it's a little too much, but I'll be honest with you. It's a reality, so I encourage you guys, when, 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 we, when they start ramping it up, we're going to be here to help serve. We'll probably be acting in it or whatever, the, whatever you guys need. Uh, if you need more people, I'll bring people from our church because it's the gospel message in that. And so we, I got saved at it, and I was able to serve um, as Satan three years in a row after that. My wife, my wife did it in her, her church way when she was in Ohio four times when she was in fourth grade, since fourth grade, a bunch, of, a bunch of times, and we've always seen a bunch of fruit. I could say if it wasn't for that um, ministry, I don't know if I'd be here right now. And I've been reflecting the past couple months about just people who have influ influenced my life, and, and God uses a lot of people to influence your life. So there's your plug for Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. If you're concerned that the message is too harsh, I get it. That's not the only message. We also preach love, but it is a big part of that message. So please come out and, and, and support that. We're going to need your support and, and, and tell your friends and family to come and watch it. It's a really good production with a very, very powerful message. So there's my push for that. 
So what do I want to leave the church with? I want to leave the church with um, what I think, if you were to boil down me and, and my relationship to God and what I think is, is extremely important for the body of Christ, this is not all that's important, but boil it down, it is we need to forgive each other. If you've, been, if you've listened to me teach or preach in any, in any capacity, you probably already heard a version of this message. But that's okay because I think it, bear, it needs to be bared uh, repeating. As Christians, one of our highest callings is to forgive. I'm going to say this later and I'll say it again. We don't have the right not to forgive. We need to hear that constantly. So with that, I'm going to have uh, you guys all open up the Bible uh, with me. Matthew chapter 6. Very, very famous In fact, before you do that, I'm going to have us all pray together. I grew up Catholic, and so everything, uh, I, I so respect my Catholic upbringing because it taught me who the Trinity was. It taught me that the virgin birth was real. It taught me that Jesus is fully God and fully man. But through all that, I didn't really understand and know God. And, and what, uh, what else it taught me is just uh, they say these words, say these prayers, and they had no meaning behind them. But... One of the prayers they said, and at the time I didn't read the Bible, I didn't know it was in the Bible, was the Our Father. And I'm just like, okay, I'll just say that prayer. And then when I got saved years later, I read that in the passage. I'm like, oh, wow. So they did do Bible stuff. So I'm going to do something a little Catholic today. But I want us to mean it. Let's all stand and we're going to pray the, the Lord's Prayer together. You guys know it. Pray it with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You guys can all be seated. I'm going to read it out of a totally different version. So I think the one thing is we all kind of memorized it, right, in, in King James, and that's cool. But sometimes when we read it and even pray it in a different version, one that's more towards our modern English, it hits the heart a little differently. So Matthew chapter 6, verse, beginning with verse 9. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to stand in the synagogues and on the street corners and pray so people will see them. I tell you the truth, they already have their full reward. When you pray, you should go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who cannot be seen. Your Father can see what is done in secret, and he will reward you. And when you pray, don't be like those people who don't know God. In other words, pagans. This is uh, the more traditional translations. They continue saying things they mean that mean nothing, thinking that God will hear them because of their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask him. So when you pray, you should pray like this. Now listen to the way this is New Century Version. It's a little bit more updated. Our Father in heaven, may your name always be kept holy. May your kingdom come and what you want be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us food we need for each day. Forgive us our sins just as we've forgiven those who sinned against us. And do not cause us to be tempted, but save us from the evil one. 
And verse 14, and this is what we're going to camp on a little bit as we go through the, 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 the rest of the passage here. Yes, if you forgive others their sins, your Father in heaven will also forgive your sins. But if you don't forgive others, your Father in heaven will not forgive your sins. This portion of the Gospel of Matthew is taken from the center of the Sermon on the Mount. This is part of Jesus' most famous sermon. I could even say probably the most famous sermon in all of history. Sermon on the Mount. Jesus teaches what life in the kingdom looks like. He teaches how the citizens of the kingdom should act. In this portion, Jesus begins teaching on how to pray. If we look at the, the parallel passage in Luke, his apostles actually ask him, could you teach us how to pray now, these are Jews growing up, like, and, and they were taught about prayer, but they, they recognized something in Jesus. They saw him get up early in the morning and, and go be with his father, and they recognized he had this prayer life that, that uh, they didn't have. And so they, they asked him, Luke tells us how to pray, and Jesus includes the answer in the Sermon on the Mount. And the first thing Jesus does is he highlights what not to do. Sometimes it's easier to explain how to do something by explaining what not to do. You ever see that like work out in real life? Sometimes it's easier to, to, to explain something on what not to do. And Jesus highlights two groups of people on what not to do. Hypocrites, which has a negative connotation because this passage, but all it meant in the ancient language was actors. So imagine like Tom Hanks and Robert Downey Jr. Actors. They're acting a part. So he says, don't be like the actors who are playing the part of a faithful Jew in that day. And don't be like the pagans who are completely unbelievers. Hypocrites paid more to show uh, others to see that they are spiritual. And as someone who's been in ministry and been a follower of Christ for a, most of my adult life now, especially in ministry, we could be almost play the part at times and, and just to, to look not even we, we don't want to look we want to be sincere but part of it is we got to make we know deep down inside we don't have everything all together and we know that what we portray up here is is our best selves whereas at home in our home life things might not always be the best so there's always that that tug that like hey make sure you're authentic when we pray don't just be an actor at the same time we are called to pray has anyone here seen the, uh, and I'm, I plug this all over, I go, has anyone here seen the amazing new series, The Chosen at all, yet? That's not nearly enough of you. Please go out. <laughs> it, is, it is awesome. It is the best production I've ever seen on Jesus. It, it so brings the humanity and divinity of Christ uh, so close without the old stoicism of the past. But anyway, there's a scene in this when they go to one of the towns. As, as Jesus is preparing to deliver the sermon, there's a scene and you got these rabbis on the street corners, and they are praying like this very intensely. And the first thing I thought was, wow, these guys are really passionate and really love God. Really, I thought, oh, these guys are awesome. And then as they crafted the scene some more, like, oh, my gosh, that's not what the directors of the movie wanted to show. They wanted to actually show that these guys were the example of the, of the actors. Because people went up to them and wanted to talk to them, and like just ask them certain things. They're like, no, I'm doing something important. I'm praying. So that's kind of the picture they are given in, in the story about what it means to be an actor. Uh, the, the, the word comes to mind, don't be too heavily minded that you're no earthly good. 
Don't, so that's one group of people that Jesus says, don't be, don't be like the actors. They're at the street corners. Now we, don't, we might not have an exact equivalent of this in our day and age, but in that day and age, everything was religious. The whole, the whole society focused around the religion of the Jews, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees. So the elite class would be, would be the, the religious people. So it made people want to look up to these guys who are acting in the streets, praying, and seem like they got this really awesome connection to God, when in fact they could have just been faking it. And so it was interesting when I was watching that, that, that portion of the show, my initial thought was, oh, wow, these guys are like really on fire for prayer. And then I realized, oh, no, they're, they're just the, the part of the sermon that Jesus was talking about. So don't be like the actors who make, a show of, who make a show of things. The other aspect of this is don't be like the pagans or the unbelievers who used multiple words and used prayer as a way, as like a magic rabbit's foot, almost like casting a spell, doing an invocation. You kind of get to see that if you look at it in 1 Kings, the prophets of Baal, they used prayer that way. They, 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 they did multiple words. They thought they could be heard by their multiple words. So Jesus says, first of all, don't do these two things. These are two types of ways to avoid prayer. And then he said, pray instead like this, and it's the, it's the Our Father that we all know and love, that we all, that we all prayed together. And it doesn't mean exactly pray this exact prayer, although there's nothing wrong with that. But that could be a template for prayer. And there's two, there's two very important things about this prayer, which you see right away. Community and relationship. Our Father. It's not just my Father. We talk about having a personal relationship with Jesus, and that's correct, and that's good, but sometimes we forget that it is also a corporate, a communal relationship with Jesus. Hallowed be your name, or in other words, may your name always kept holy. God's name is so holy, and we are, God's name is holy, so we are not praying that his name is holy, but we are praying that by, that others would know that your name is holy. The others would know, know that your name is holy. So the beginning of the prayer automatically puts us into right relationship with each other, our, and right relationship with the Father, our Father. It is us together praying to our Father so that others would know that our Father is great. Your kingdom come, praying your kingdom come, would continue to advance and be filling the earth as more people understand his holy name. As his name is more and more hallowed, his kingdom grows and ultimately points to the final consummation when Jesus returns and establishes his visible earthly reign. His will be done. We know that your, his will is done on heaven perfectly. And, if, and unfortunately, some people maybe think, oh, whatever happens, happens because it's the Lord's will on earth. I don't think so. I think, I think there's a lot of sin on earth, and I think that God's good will and good pl pleasure is that there wouldn't be sin, that we wouldn't destroy each other. That we know his will is that he doesn't want anyone to perish, but that all should come to repentance. So we know that on earth, his will, although he could snap his fingers and make it happen, he, he, he somehow wants us to cooperate with him instead. His will is that people wouldn't sin, would turn from their sins. It's that they would look to Jesus, is that peace would reign instead of violence. So we pray in accordance with his will that your will is done on earth as it's already done perfectly in heaven. And so the first three parts of that six-part petition is upward to God. Then we start looking inward to ourselves. Give us this day our daily bread. 
modern century America, we, uh, that, that may not mean uh, for us, give us uh, our, our food every day. We have built a society blessed by God where most of us don't have to worry about that. But there's a spiritual component about give us our daily bread also, that man does not live by bread, food alone, but by every word from the mouth of God. So there's two components there. Give us your word every day. And that's something we need to contend, contend for for sure. I need it as a reminder. It, 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 unlike anything else in the physical realm, when we're hungry, we eat, we're satisfied, right? It's kind of upside down in the spiritual realm. When I'm spiritually starving, sometimes I don't know that until I start eating of his word and then I want more because it's so good. I'm preaching to myself now because there's many times where, where, where I just said, oh, let's get my, I'll get the word in for the day and, and go on about my day. But I realize that when I go without the word for any, any, uh, any period of time, it, there's less desire there. And I'm like, well, how do I get desire for your word? Read his word. So we pray, I pray this prayer, God, give me a desire for your daily bread. And then I read it, and then I get more of a desire. And we read it more, and we, and we, and we converse with brothers and sisters, we get more of a desire. The fifth petition, forgive us our sins as we forgive. This is the big one. This is the one that I believe the Lord wants me to leave you with. We are to ask for forgiveness as we forgive. There is not one person here on this planet that doesn't need forgiveness. I mean, that's the point of the gospel, right? At the same time, when we ask Jesus to forgive us, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But he expects, he requires, that we freely forgive just as he freely forgave us. And then he ends the sin, I'm sorry, he the, the ends, the, the, ends the, the prayer with uh, saying, finally, lead us not into temptation. Lead us away from the temptation and deliver us from the evil one. In other words, we are to pray to be led away from trials and situations that would tempt us to be unfaithful to him. We should pray this way because the world is constantly trying to pull us and tempt us to sin away, to, to move from God. And I wonder if we seriously prayed this each and every day, perhaps we would be led away from certain situations that could have already tempted us. The world is not neutral in this area. We're told as men not to even look at a woman with lust. Jesus told us that in a time where all the women were covered up way more than they are now. This might be a little controversial. I apologize. I don't. It's the truth. Um, so even, even the prostitutes of that day, they were covered up well more than the average person of today's world is. So how much more now that we need to be, God, lead us away from that where I don't even see it, God. Let my eyes go somewhere else. I don't even want to see it. And I'm just talking about one area of sin. There's multiple sins that, that, we, that the world wants to entice us with. Perhaps if we would be reminded to connect with his word, like, like the previous petition said, uh, shut off other forms of influence. The media, Facebook, YouTube, phones. I'm guilty. Shut them off and dive right into his word. That, and then we pray, lead us not into temptationally, but deliver us from the evil one. That our mind is focused more on God. I've noticed that when I do discipline myself to seek his face first, the desires of the other things, which may not be bad, but there's hooks in them, the desires of the other things lessen. 
When I don't discipline myself to seek himself first, I'll get to it later, the opposite happens. So we're called to discipline ourselves. And then right after this prayer, right after modeling this prayer, Jesus circles back to forgiveness. He circles back, almost as if it's the foundation upon which the rest of the prayer rests. And I believe it is. He states an undeniable fact. Think about this. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. He wasn't saying this to unbelievers. Unbelievers don't have the right to call him Father. They're invited to. They're invited to a relationship as his church. We should be inviting unbelievers all the time. That's what heaven gates and hell slaves is all going to be about. We should be inviting unbelievers all, to, all the time to, to call him Father through Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. But this prayer isn't for them. Not yet. When they become believers it is. It is for us. So he's speaking to us when he says, if you don't forgive, my Father is not going to forgive you brothers and sisters, you're not going to be forgiven. We need that to hit us like a ton of bricks. Multiple times throughout the scriptures, forgiveness is tied to prayer. We can have this great prayer life, but if we hold on forgiveness in our hearts towards others, our prayers could be hitting the ceiling and not going anywhere. Jesus in the parable of the unforgiving servant said that if you don't forgive, you will be given over to the tormentors. And I'm going to just read this passage for you guys because it's, it's one of my favorites. Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter uh, came to Jesus and asked, Lord, now so this is, this is Matthew 18, right? So G this is Peter asking. And he, he heard a couple chapters later, earlier, I don't even want to say how many weeks, months, or years it would have been since the Sermon on the Mount, but he's been with Jesus. So he heard the, the, the prayer, the Our the Father. He heard P Jesus talk about forgiveness. So, so Peter, uh, he wants to kind of clarify, like, how many times I forgive, you know? Lord, when my fellow believers sin against me, how many times must I forgive them? Should I forgive him? Up to seven times, which would have been a really big number in Peter's eyes. Jesus answered, I tell you, you must forgive him more than seven times. You must forgive him even if he does wrong to you 77 times. And another one's like seven times seven. In the same day, another passage says. And he says this, he says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who decided to collect his money his servants owed him. And when the king began to collect the money, a servant who owed him several million dollars was brought up to him. But the servant did not have enough money to pay his master, the king. So the master ordered that everything the servant owed should be sold, even the servant's wife and the children. Then the money would be used to pay the king what was owed. But the servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay everything I owe. The master felt sorry for his servant and told him he did not have to pay it back. Then the servant like went and was free. You guys all know this parable. You know where it's going, right? Actually, I'm reading the New Century Version, and they actually don't do the greatest translation on the second part, because uh, I'll read it and I'll explain. So the, so the servant fell on his knees and begged, and the king said, okay, you don't have to pay me that million dollars anymore. 
Later, the same servant found another servant who owed him a few dollars. That's not the greatest translation. Uh, the greatest translation is actually it's a substantial amount of money, much less than the millions that he owed the king, but it was a substantial amount of money. This is something we need to hear. It's not just a little bit. Uh, some some uh, commentators say uh, uh, up to a year's wages was what this other guy owed. So it wasn't a little bit. And that servant begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay you everything I owe. In this case, it was possible for that servant to pay off the, the year's wages, but it would have been pretty hard. In the other guy's case, impossible to pay off the wages. That's something that we need to hear. It is impossible for us to pay the debt of sin. Impossible. We could make things right with others, though. It is possible to make things right with others by some form of restitution, whatever that looks like. We are called to make things right with others. But it is impossible, and that's the big difference. And, and the things that have done to us in this context are things that are big. They're not small. They're big. We're supposed to forgive small things too, by the way. So the other servant fell on his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you everything I owe. But the first servant refused to be patient. He threw the other servant into prison until he could pay everything he owed. How are you going to pay something back when you're in prison? When the other servants saw what had happened, they were very sorry. So they went and told their master all that had happened. Because the other servants saw this whole thing play out. They saw the master forgive the guy millions of dollars, which would have been impossible for him to owe. And they intuitively knew that, wow, this guy received this great mercy. He's going to give great mercy to this, this other man that owed him. But he didn't. And so what did the master do? He said to him, you evil servant. You evil servant. He's a servant. In the context, he's a believer. These are hard. This is hard. Because you begged me to forget, to forget what you owed, I told you that you did not have to pay anything. You should have shown mercy to the other servant, just as I showed you mercy. The master was very angry and put the servant in prison to be punished until he could pay everything he owed. This king did what my heavenly father will do to you if you do not forgive your brother and sis or sister from your heart. Through my years of ministry, um, walking with the Lord, this, was pro this type of walking with God has been always at the forefront of my mind. I realize that I fall short many areas. I also realize that he's forgiven me more than I can ever imagine. So I make it my life's goal, regardless of what else happens, that I'm going to extend forgiveness to each and every person. Because it's, I don't want to say it's a get-out-of-jail-free car, but I mean, it is. You're not going to get tossed to the tormentors. As I do ministry, I can't tell you how many times, specifically prayer ministry, when we're praying deliverance-type ministry over people, over Christians, that whatever this demon, this tormentor is going on, they're not leaving. And almost, I'm trying to think if there's, there's exceptions to the rule. In my experience, I know there are exemptions. There's other reasons why demons aren't, aren't there's sin reasons, but almost always in the believer's life, it's that person is holding something against someone and not freely forgiving. 
So when Jesus says the tormentors will torment, I've seen it play out in Christians' lives. And, and a lot of times through deliverance ministry, you minister that, and a, 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 something's unlocked in their head and they forgive, and I've seen it go. Like, simply, just leave. Forgiveness is at the heart of who God is. He desires his kids to be the best forgivers because he's the best, best forgiver. And the world is kind of catching up to this. Um, did you know that there are many diseases that could be tied to unforgiveness? Science is kind of catching up, uh, up to this, of what the Bible says. Um, uh, and I'm not saying if you, if you suffer with these that unforgiveness is the root. I'm not saying that, but it's something to possibly think about. High blood pressure, depression, heart disease, arthritis. Physically speaking, this is scientific, when your body is in a constant state of unforgiveness, that mimics the fight or flight mechanism that God in, in engineered in our body. You know what the fight or flight mechanism is? It's something's happening right now, you, and you need to do something. You need to either fight, protect your family, or you need to leave, right? Because there's evil in this world. And what happens is it boosts, it dumps adrenaline into our body, and that adrenaline is able to overcome some of our, 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 our scared emotions, overcome our physical, normal physical limitations to be able to do what we need to do to get out and get, or, or fight in the situation or, or to leave. It's called fight or flight. I mean, the science has been talking about this. But what happens, and so what happens after that situation, your body goes back to normal and it re regulates, it, it, it releases the adrenaline, the adrenaline fil filters through your body and it's no more. However, when people are in a state of unforgiveness, specifically bitterness, it's like a constant trip of that. Uh, of that. It's not just adrenaline, uh, uh, there's, other, there's other things, uh, what? Cortisol. Yes, thank you, cortisol, that's what I was looking for. I was looking for that earlier, I'm like, where is that? Cortisol drip in your, bo in your body that over time, uh, literally leads to sickness. It, it, it basically just, just, just hurts your immune system and then, then other things are able to, to, hurt your immune, to hurt you and you're able to get diseases. And it leaves you open to multiple attacks or multiple diseases. I'm not saying that's like that 100% if you, if you, if you suffer with, with certain diseases. I'm not saying it's 100%. But ask the question, God, is this a root? If you're suffering, is there a root of unforgiveness in my life that I don't even know about? The Lord is good. The Lord is kind. He'll reveal it to you. Ultimately, unforgiveness damages our relationship to God. In uh, Proverbs 14.30, it talks about how uh, bitterness is, is, is poison to the bones. As a child of God, we have no right to hold back forgiveness. That's the point. I am sure Jesus tied it to the prayer, because when we are operating in unforgiveness, we are totally operating outside of the will of the Father who offers forgiveness to all people. We are, um, from a very literal standpoint, taking the Lord's name in vain when we say Jesus offers forgiveness and we don't offer forgiveness. You know, it's not taking the Lord's name in vain in, in terms of the commandments isn't like saying the GD word, which we shouldn't, but it's literally saying, I represent God, but I'm not. It's, it's speaking forth from God, but not living as though you represent God. Does that make sense? So when we're, speak, when we're talking about uh, someone who's proclaiming the gospel, but someone wronged them, and they're saying, I am not forgiving that person because what he did to me was really bad, but yet I'm going to proclaim the gospel here. I am literally taking the Lord's name in vain because I'm not acting out of what I've already been forgiven for. 
So we don't have that right, brothers and sisters. And this is what I wanted to leave the church with. And someone here may need this. Maybe, you, maybe I'm preaching to the choir. We don't have the right not to forgive. Also, forgiving does not mean what they did was okay. Some people need to hear this. You know, sometimes someone says, I'm sorry. I'm like, ah, oh, no, no, no problem, right? And I get why we say no problem, but the really, no, it was a problem. I forgive you is the better response because forgiving does not mean what the person did was okay. And if we go back to the context of Peter asking, you know, how many times should I forgive? Jesus, like, I don't know if it's hyperbole or not, but he shot the moon. He said, you forgive 70 times, seven times, every, every, if they come back every hour asking for, uh, uh, that you just keep forgiving. It's just like, there's no end to unforgiving. You would think that if this person keeps doing the same thing over and over again, the relationship would be broken. And, and yeah, God wants to work in that relationship, but the, the outside of the, the, the front side of that is, you got to forgive. Just forgive, because that's what I would do to you. Imitate me as I imitate Christ, Paul says, right? Your Father in heaven gives rain to the just and rain to the unjust alike. Your Father in heaven offers forgiveness to all people. You're going to offer forgiveness to all people. By that, people will know that you're my followers. But it doesn't mean what they did was okay. The cross is our bridge to forgiveness. The cross doesn't say sin was okay. In fact, just the opposite. What does the cross say? The horrors of the cross reveal the horrors of sin. I've met people that say, I can't forgive. You don't know what they did to me. What they did was so horrible. What they did was not right. You're correct. What they did to you was not right. And when you forgive, you're not saying it's right. What you are saying is, I'm not holding it against you anymore. I'm not going to let that have a root of bitterness in me or in you anymore. I'm going to give it to God. So, Jesus, I forgive them. And that's something maybe we have to do multiple times. Sometimes we don't feel like it. That's okay. We don't base things on our feeling. We base them on our faith in Jesus Christ. So we come to God. God, what they did was so horrible. I don't want to forgive them. But I know you want me to. So, Jesus, help me forgive. I forgive them, Jesus. And when it comes up, remind me that I forgive them. God will take care of the rest. That's what's so awesome about having a relationship with him. We just do the small things. He does the, he does the big things. Have you been wronged? Well, we probably all have. Have you fully forgiven the people or person that have wronged you? This person may have never asked for forgiveness. Forgive anyway. Maybe this person is long, long, no longer with us. Still forgive them. Come to Jesus and say, Jesus, you know what happened years ago. I forgive them. But Michael, you don't know what happened to me. I don't. You're right. What happened to you may have been worse than what's ever happened to me. Doesn't make it right. But God does, and he extended his forgiveness to each one of us. What we don't realize in this area is how much we offended God with our sin before, before even coming to know him. How much he willingly overlooked, I'm not even going to say overlooked, it does say he forgets the sin as far as east is to the west, but he willingly took upon himself on the cross 
and totally separated us from our sin in his mind. We who are recipients of God's forgiveness, and I said this before, give up our right not to forgive. I've heard it said that unforgiveness is like drinking a poison and expecting others to get sick. It's like drinking a poison. I've seen people with unforgiveness, they, they, it's, it's like literally in bondage. And I think, speaking family to family, I think it's worse for the, for the believer than the unbeliever. Because we, we're held to a higher standard. So I'm going to have the prayer team come up. And, and the worship team can come back up. We have the worship team come back up. And, and uh, if you're in the prayer team, please come up. And this is what we're going to, um, well, if you need prayer for anything, please come up for prayer for, for anything. But specifically, if, this, if I wasn't speaking to you t- today, awesome. But if I was speaking to you, if the Holy Spirit revealed to you, let, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal, God, is there anyone in my life that I haven't forgiven? Am I not acting out of uh, who you want me to act out of because I'm holding back forgiveness? Sometimes a good way to tell is to think about a certain person. And, and, and if you've got that twing in your, stomachs, in your stomach when you think about that person and what they did to you, it could be a possibility that maybe, just maybe you, ha- you haven't, for- haven't forgiven in that area. So let's all, let's all stand real quick. And as a prayer team come up, this is what we're doing. James tells us that we are to confess our sins one to another that we may be healed. So I want to do that right now. Um, if you need prayer for anything, prayer for healing, prayer for what's going on professionally at a job, prayer, prayer for anything, also come up. This isn't just prayer for, for forgiveness, but specifically if, 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 if uh, you need to make things right between you and another person or you and God because of unforgiveness, I encourage you, now is the time to do that. In Jesus' name, thank you, church, for allowing me these... Uh, Four plus years to, to, to minister here and be here. And uh, if I could leave you with anything, it's that forgive as you've been forgiven. Amen. Amen.